Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy wildcard weekend. Keep your heads on a swivel out there, everybody. Today's, though, I want to be focusing on something a little bit more fantasy focused and maybe just maybe actionable here down the stretch. And that is early 2023 top six fantasy football rankings. So not going too nitty gritty just yet, but I did think it'd be fun just to go ahead and look again closely at the guys that we're going to be drafting more times than not in those first three, four rounds and having some of the tough questions about where exactly these tiers drop off, who doesn't quite make the cut, and things of that nature. So again, appreciate you guys tuning in to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And with that, let's get going with our top six at each position ahead of the 2023 season. Starting off at quarterback, guys, pretty clear, I think, top two here. Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts taking my top two spots. With Josh, I mean, 35-plus passing touchdowns in three straight years. And, oh yeah, he averages the third most rushing yards per game in NFL history. Like, I think we all realize how athletic Josh Allen is. I mean, him just jumping over the goal line against the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago. Like, I get it. But just, again, the third most productive quarterback in NFL history, rushing behind only Mike Vick and Lamar Jackson. I don't know. It surprised me. So the one problem with Josh is just kind of the boneheaded turnover-worthy plays that happen from time to time. I mean, he was tied for first with 29 turnover-worthy plays this season, but you know, doesn't really matter that much in fantasy. He freaking runs and passes so much he makes up for it. And in real life as well, still leading the number two ranked scoring offense. So Josh Allen, Kings State Kings, my number one QB ahead of next season, followed very closely by Jalen Hurts in a very similar breakdown. We have two guys that run the ball so much more than basically any other quarterback, not named Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields. But the difference with Hurts and Allen is we actually have the proven ability to rack up big time throwing numbers at least here in the past couple years with all due respect to 2019 la mvp but yeah this season from hertz was special guys 25.2 fantasy points per game sixth highest mark in a single season ever only 2019 lamar 2011 aaron Rodgers, 2018 mahomes 2010 michael vick and 2013 peyton manning were better than 2022 jalen hertz so again Supporting cast is fantastic. You look at it, I mean, second highest combined PFF receiving, rushing, pass, and run blocking grade from all of his friends around. And it's just that fantasy-friendly rushing workload, especially when they get inside the five-yard line. Specifically, guys, from the one-yard line, Jalen Hurts and Ezekiel Elliott tied for second in the NFL with eight such carries. First place, give you a chance to guess. Number one in the NFL and carries from the one-yard line. He had 16 of them. Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. Fancy, faithful, I'm sorry. 
Number three, going to be Patrick Mahomes. I mean, just broke Josh Allen's two-year reign as a fantasy QB1 without Tyreek freaking Hill. Now owns three of the top 12 seasons ever in fantasy points per game. King State Kings, Patrick Mahomes, been awfully royal since coming into the NFL back in 2017. Number four, going to be rolling with Lamar Jackson. Man, look at the guys that he's been thrown to this year. Here are the wide receivers in Baltimore that have a reception at some point or another in the 2022 season. Demarcus Robinson, Devin Duvernay, Rashad Bateman, Deshaun Jackson, James Prochet, Telem Wallace, and Sammy Watkins. They unironically added Deshaun Jackson and Sammy Watkins to this room trying to help in the year 2023. I like Mark Andrews. I like Isaiah Likely. Give me a healthy J.K. Dobbins. Okay. But my God, I don't want to be watching Ravens games and be cursing Lamar for overthrowing 300-pound Patrick Ricard, who's running a wheel route for some fucked up reason. So, yes, Lamar Jackson. I know we did not see the same guy in weeks four through, you know, 12, 13, whenever he got hurt. That we saw in the first three weeks of the season. But that first three weeks of the season was a gentle reminder that Lamar, at his best, is truly the best fantasy quarterback to ever play the game. That's what we did see in 2019 when he set the NFL record in fantasy points per game. So back in Baltimore, maybe they get to more of just a straight spread attack without Greg Roman potentially in the picture. If not, you know, a man can dream. The Commanders, the Jets, we got some offenses out there that need a quarterback and they would be blessed to have Lamar under center. Last two here, we do have Justin Fields coming in as my QB5. Again, a lot of this is dependent on what happens in free agency and what the Bears want to do with that number one overall pick. But only one finish outside the top 12 after week four, including five top five finishes during that stretch. He just ran for the second most yards by a quarterback in a season ever. And I already know, guys, I'm going to have this rant a freaking 30 times this offseason. But the fact that people can't wrap their minds around like Justin Fields and Daniel Jones not having the most passing success in the world this season my god look at these wide receiver rooms starting the year and then they all got hurt what do you expect to be left here i mean we had the bears coming in the season with pff single lowest rated wide receiver court and guess what darnell mooney got hurt in week 12 we had to listen to national reporters act like adding chase claypool is this big vote of confidence in justin fields like oh hey he played pretty well the first three months of the season now let's trade what ended up being what the 33rd 34th overall pick for chase claypool and oh yeah then he gets hurt anyway slash can't find the field because he apparently didn't know the playbook well enough so justin fields hey if they decide they want to go with bryce young or someone instead then yeah he's not going to be a top five fantasy quarterback but back in chicago just by virtue of how fantasy friendly his game could be and maybe just maybe a mediocre group of pass catchers could we ask for that justin fields don't be surprised if 2022 was not a fluke and more so a sign of things to come and finally joe burrow just finished as the qb4 and what impressed me about burrow this year guys only had 4.1 fewer fantasy points from rushing than patrick mahomes so burrow really coming out of lsu i mean i was really all over him more in the rookie year pause sorry but moreover uh you know in the rookie year because he was checking a lot of the same boxes that we had seen from past top performers ran a lot more lsu than he got credit for and we saw a good bit of that as a rookie didn't see it as much coming back from the acl understandably got back to 
doing it this year. So no, he's not ever going to, you know, in the, be in the Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts discussion for, you know, rushing yards or anything like that, but not a bad little floor to add on top of seemingly a yearly lock for around 4,500 passing yards and 35 touchdowns. So unlike fields, unlike Lamar Jackson, we don't have the same concerns about the pass game weapons. He gets to throw to Joe Burrow, my QB six ahead of 2023. But once again, guys, there's so many questions out here. I mean, pure free agents. We have Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Baker Mayfield to figure out. And then looking at just teams that might need a quarterback or just at least want to upgrade from what they have, the Jets, the Titans, the Colts, the Texans, the Raiders, Commanders, Panthers, Saints, maybe even the Falcons, depending on how they felt about the Desmond Ritter show out there. So there were a couple guys that were close specifically after fields. I do think it's a slight tier drop off to Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Herbert. By the way, Chargers, Jaguars, losing quarterback has to shave their head. I've heard worse ideas. Also keep an eye on Kyler Murray's ACL recovery. He would be right here in this mix with a full slate of good health. Also have to look at Dak, Daniel Jones, Tua, all guys that had pretty solid years just now. Don't think they're quite in that top six conversation. And maybe, just maybe, we get a Trey Lance dark horse bounce back should the 49ers decide to move on from the Brock Purdy, Jimmy G experience. And finally, you know, the one quarterback that's probably going to be nowhere near the top 10 that we do have several seasons seeing him in the top 10, the Sean Watson. So Cleveland games did not go well at all. There was some context though that we went through on this very podcast about some of those drop touchdowns and everything. So full, maybe less newsworthy offseason for Watson. Maybe he does re-catch his stride in 2023. Moving on to running back, and again, just some of the free agents we have, Saquon, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Raheem Mostert, and Jeff Wilson, Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt. A lot of shakeup is possible here for beyond. So I will say out of those free agents, based on what we've heard, it does sound like Saquon Barkley is someone the Giants want to have back in the fold. I don't have that same level of confidence for Josh Jacobs, so he's going to be one of the guys not listed here where, hey, if the Raiders do decide you know, that they declined his fifth-year option and just didn't mean it or something, and they still want him here long term yeah josh jacobs will be right back into the top six conversation but for right now thinking josh jacobs could be going somewhere else i'm not overly thrilled about chasing that on another team typically running backs that do change teams aren't nearly as productive there down the stretch with a few exceptions here and there but anyway on to the top six and don't need to spend a ton of time on the top two but for me it is christian mccaffrey and austin eckler cmc with 37 straight non-injured induced or games where he was traded in the middle of the week with 100 plus yards and or a touchdown in week 12 this year against the saints he had near irritation knee irritation i should say look it up but yeah guys eight of 11 top games he had top 12 finishes upon joining the 49ers and his receiving work was down a little bit 9.2 fewer receiving yards per game 1.4 fewer receptions with the 49ers compared to the panthers but also scored 11 touchdowns in 11 games if you include that passing score so mccaffrey even if his you know fancy friendly workload goes from like a 10 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10 with the 49ers i think the extra touchdowns make up for it with Eckler reigning, defending, undisputed RB1 of the fantasy world. I mean, fantastic year. I know that uh, I named Travis Kelsey my fantasy MVP, and a lot of people were saying Austin Eckler deserves that award. And honestly, if you do go ahead and just really wait the fantasy playoffs, hey, I could see it going to Austin Eckler. But you know what? In real life, they don't really – I think they got to put their votes in before the playoffs. So playoffs aside, I do think it was Travis Kelsey, but I really do see where Eckler comes around. I guess my only concern with Eckler is like – how can he keep getting away with this efficiency on the goal line, guys? Because 
pretty clearly, I think, based on some of the moves they've made, just getting Joshua Kelly more run, you know, go ahead and drafting Isaiah Spiller and all that. I do think they want to keep Eckler to around that 200 carry mark. And I'm just not completely convinced he's going to convert six of his eight touchdowns inside the five yard line in the scores. I should say six of his eight attempts inside the five yard line in the scores. Excuse me. But I think the bigger issue could be Eckler's receiving usage going from astronomical to just like really good. So again, he's ranked as my RB2. I probably already spent too many words on it. But if you look at it, the first 11 games this year, Eckler averaged 7.3 catches and 45 receiving yards per game. The last six games, once we had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams mostly healthy, only 4.5 receptions and 37 and a half receiving yards per game. So just one of those things where, again, if we're projecting Eckler staying healthy in 2023 and everyone else on the Chargers staying healthy, I just don't think this passing game at its best wants to be flowing through him as much as they were really forced to during the first two, three months of the season. Number three running back, going to beat Jonathan Taylor. And again, I do think it's a tier drop off after the first two. So these next guys, again, depending on what Josh Jacobs does, maybe, you know, Brees Hall, we hear some good news about his ACL. Tony Pollard comes back to the Cowboys and Zico Elliott gets cut. A lot of things could happen to shake up this back half. But for right now, I do have Jonathan Taylor as my overall RB3 ahead of some guys that have had similar workloads in him in the past. But I do think potentially from a pure workload standpoint, the best could be yet to come for Jonathan Taylor. So you look at it, and when they traded Naeem Hines, guys, that low-key opened up one of the only true three-down workhorse roles available, and Jonathan Taylor was able to get that. So he had legit 94%, 92% snap games once Jeff Saturday was there and Naeem Hines wasn't there taking uh, the targets out of the picture. So with Taylor, no, he wasn't as good even when he was healthy this year, but he also sprained his freaking ankle in week four, was in an offense that the run game, the run blocking in particular, really wasn't doing anything until about halfway through the season. And Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, freaking Nick Foles out there, not doing him any favors. So Jonathan Taylor, for me, prime bounce back candidate in my RB3 going the next year. RB4 is going to be Saquon Barkley, 352 touches this past season. He just has room to grow as a receiver, only 21.1 receiving yards per game. I mean, that was a surprising thing. Like with Saquon, based on some of these injuries and the Kadarius Tony trade, you would have thought he could have led the Giants in receiving, just wasn't meant to be. So he has it, you know, in his toolbox, 45, 34, and 30 receiving yards per game in his first three years in the league. Hopefully, in, I mean, 2023, Saquon got through it healthy so far. I'm knocking on wood, you know go Giants, whatever. But, you know, looking at Saquon moving on, maybe 2024 could be even more explosive. Didn't quite see the same, you know, phenomenal beast out there. Saquon was really good this year. Don't get me wrong. But when I'm talking, guys, about truly best running backs I've seen play football over the past decade, 2018, early 2019, Saquon might be there at the top. Here's to hoping we see that guy back in even better in 2023. Number five running back, going to be Derrick Henry for me. And we're going to have the same conversation that we have every year about Derrick Henry. It's like, can he stay healthy? And we only have about a half of season over his entire career that says that he can't. So history says this, history says that. I mean, how many 275-pound running backs have we seen be like Derrick Henry and just keep on proving history wrong? So it's one of those things where, you know, we're playing fantasy. It's first or last out here. So with Derrick Henry, again, I really want to stay away from fading guys because he's going to get injured because going to last year it was Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry were going to get injured not 
Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall and Javante Williams. Injuries freaking suck. I do think there is something to be said about guys being a little more injury prone, the wear and tear. You know, you've already been injured and all that, but our ability to predict it and our ability to really separate the difference in how much more one guy is injury prone than another, that is where I draw the line. So for me, RB5, Derrick Henry, because you look at his last three healthy seasons, 321 touches, 397, 382. They've been more willing to throw him the ball, and they're still paying him enough money to continue to feature him to this manner. So turned 29 two weeks ago. We're going to talk about you know the law of 1,500 career carries and how that usually means that we're not getting the best version of a player moving forward. And yeah, I don't foresee Henry, you know, getting back, averaging over five yards per carry again, but I wouldn't say that he looked like he had exactly fallen off a cliff this year in terms of what he was able to do, and maybe, just maybe, he doesn't have to deal with, you know, Malik Willis and Joshua Dobbs under center for almost half of his season, so Derrick Henry, I think, could, again, even be a little bit worse, but 90% Derrick Henry with this workload, guys, still likely good enough to be a top five fantasy back. And finally, going to beat Nick Chubb as my RB6. So going to have a show here coming up. You know, I always like the Colin Coward segment where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. So going to go back through some of my guys, you know, my fades from this last year. And guess what? I was wrong on Nick Chubb because the man just keeps on smashing what we expect him to do in terms of his expected PPR points, which is just a fancy way of saying his workload. What would we expect an average running back, average Joe to do with his touches? I mean, in 2020, guys, Nick Chubb, RB28 and expected PPR points per game, RB9 in real. 2021, he was the RB20 in expected PPR points, RB12 real. And this last year, RB18 in expected PPR points, RB8 real. So moving forward, Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson are both unrestricted free agents this year. Deshaun Watson maybe gelling a little bit more, providing an offense that's a little bit more Jacoby Brissett-esque. Can't believe that now the standard for Deshaun Watson is hopefully getting the offense back to what it looked like in the first, you know, 10, 12 weeks of the year. Sadly, we are at that point. But if we can do that, without Hunt, without Dearness Johnson taking that pass game roll away, Nick Chubb, guys, could finally be having that workload that we know his talents deserve. Because, again, it's never been a question of, is Nick Chubb one of the best running backs in the NFL? We know that. But with another really good running back there in Kareem Hunt, he hasn't gotten that same caliber workload. So again, those top six RBs, McCaffrey, Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon, Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb. Some caveats on guys who did not make it. Brees Hall, with this ACL surgery, guys, I want to be way more mindful about guys recovering from injuries this offseason. And Brees Hall is a major one. Dr. Edwin Porras, who's been on this podcast several times, always does great work over at Fantasy Points. But yeah, basically equated it to potentially a similar situation as 2021 Saquon. So guess what? 2021 Saquon was getting ramped up and was starting to ball out before he had the flukiest, freakiest injury ever, stepping on his own teammate's ankle in that game against the Cowboys. So I'm not saying Brees Hall is going to be useless next season, but I do think it's reasonable to expect him to get ramped up, maybe, you know, be limited the first couple of weeks. It's enough for me to keep him out of the top six for right now. Tony Pollard, he's a free agent. The Cowboys pay him a bunch and get rid of Zeke. Okay, yeah, he's going to be in the top six. You bet your ass he will be. But if it just returns and is Pollard and Zeke again, not going to be quite the top six. We'll be ranked ahead of Zeke, though. Good to see that. Again, we'll see where Josh Jacobs lands. If he's back in with the Raiders with a big deal, then okay, he's going to be vying for this a top six spot in his own right. Just not completely convinced after, again, it didn't even pick up his fifth-year option before the year. 
Kenneth Walker, assuming Rashad Penny is out of the picture, it would be very Seahawks to like just not feature Walker here down the stretch. But just remember, Rashad Penny, smaller sample size, was pretty damn good in his own right. Can he stay healthy? Everything has told us no throughout his entire career. But I'm probably overthinking it. Assuming Rashad Penny is not going to be a factor, and even if he returns, Kenneth Walker is going to be a top 10 guy, just not totally convinced he's got enough pass down work, and maybe the offense takes a little bit of a step back for him to be locked in the top six. Also, Ramondre Stevenson, Travis Etienne, Joe Mixon should still be workhorses. Just have a few more individual questions about to what extent. Not quite as convinced as I am with the top six guys. Continue to monitor Javante Williams. And then we even got Damian Pierce with the new Texans coaching staff. Who could have possibly seen that coming? We didn't talk about that ad nauseum throughout the entire year. Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swifts of the world. Also going to be in play. Also not people that I think are quite going to be going there for the top six. But as always, we'll have plenty of the offseason to get through the rest of these guys before we get on to some more guys at wide receiver i want to give a quick shout out to some of our lovely sponsors and the first thing i'll say guys if you are looking for some fantasy football to play head on over to underdog fantasy their playoff gauntlet has been a thrill to play i personally have been entering contests all freaking week and again it's just a fun time it's a playoff best ball tournament with a million dollars in total prizes and a 100,000 first place prize just draft your team before the nfl playoffs start and that's it i would say that you know if you have not used underdog before make sure you Use promo code PFF and you'll get your first deposit up to $100 match. But main strategy, if you've never done one of these guys, you basically, depending on where you're picking and who's available in your first two picks, you're more or less trying to build a Super Bowl matchup and then just get lucky along the way and then get to that final game of the tournament where now hopefully, you know, 80% of your roster is from guys participating in that game. So I do think if you get, you know, a Josh Allen early or, you know, a Jalen Hurts and you're more or less, okay, maybe with Jalen, you got to worry about, you know, the wild card round of the quarterback sacks are going to be out there. But again, you get your first couple guys and from there you are building stacks last night i got one with the bills and the cowboys i tried to go a little zero rb there a lot of ways around it so again go find out for yourself the gauntlet over underdog fantasy really fun time and again you can use promo code pff and you'll get your first deposit up to 100 matched also we'll give a shout out to our friends over at western southern the pff fantasy football podcast is sponsored by western southern financial group while you focus on your roster moves western southern helps advance your money moves buying your first home plan to start a family wondering how to make your money grow western southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you get started at westernsouthern.com slash pff all right, guys, top six wide receivers. I thought this was the most reasonable of the group, and I'm just going to rip them off because they are all pretty clear. So my number one going to next year, Justin Jefferson. Number two, Tyreek Hill. Number three, Jamar Chase. Number four, Stefan Diggs. Number five, Devontae Adams. And number six, Cooper Cup. So yes, there are some other awesome receivers out there. We have CeeDee Lamb, but I think it's a bit too much of a run-heavy offense. You look at the Cowboys, and I believe it was only the Titans, the Bears, and the Falcons that ran the ball more than that. Them, you know in non-garbage time situations so cd is awesome but those other guys are awesome i'm just a little more confident in their overall target totals especially if the cowboys go ahead and make one of these bigger moves at wide receiver like they've seemingly been trying to do ever since they traded amari cooper for a freaking fifth round pick <sighs> amon ross st brown you guys know we love the sun god around these parts but could maybe have a quarterback change we'll see what's going on with detroit potentially moving on from golf or not jameson williams being more involved healthier deandre swift he's probably going to be top 10 but just top six seems like a little high for me 
A.J. Brown, again, similar issues as C.D. Lamb, where he's still in a run-heavy offense, and unlike Lamb, already has a lot more competition in there with Devontae Smith and even Dallas Goddard. Speaking of Devonta, Waddle, Higgins, again, enough of second fiddles here not to be flirting with the top six. We have Debo in a crowded offense that could be running more than ever if Trey Lance is back under center. And then we got, you know, your Alaves, Garrett Wilson, Chris Coppins, DeAndre Hopkins, depending on where he lands, DK Metcalf, Marquise, good boy, oh, sorry, Marquise Brown, Marquise Goodwin, get out of here. Tyler Lockett, Keenan Allen, all those types. I think they have at least one or two question marks to, again, not quite make the top six. So just quickly on the top six, I mean, Cooper Cup, guys, I know it's been a while since we've seen him out there, but if you just take your eight-game sample size, who averaged the most PPR points per game last season, it still was Cooper Cup. So was on pace for 198 targets before he got injured. If Sean McVay is going to be gone, that's not ideal. That's why I have him down here at six and getting a little bit older coming off the injury although it's not like he blew out his acl or anything like that still getting matthew stafford back cooper cup my wide receiver six going the next season with Devontae Adams, really what it comes down to, the difference between Adams and Cup and the rest of these guys, it's just the lesser continuity with them. With Sean McVay seemingly being on the way out, that's where the smoke seems to be burning at least. And with Devontae Adams moving on from Derek Carr to either Jared Stidham or someone else. So, hey, I saw it as someone that was a bit too low on Devontae going in this last year. And by too low, I think I had him wide receiver seven or eight or something like that. So hand up. I was off. But yeah, you know, obviously still really damn good in his own right. I mean, Devontae. Obviously, bald in 2017, even without Rodgers, when he had Brett Hundley under center. I mean, he put up that massive 153-yard and two-touchdown game with Jared Stidham. I mean, 168 targets out there. I know Waller and Renfro being hurt did help Adams get featured more than ever, but the amount of money they're paying him, the amount that we already saw Josh McDaniels wanting to feature Devontae, locks him in as a top-five option for me ahead of next year. In the top four, Stefan Diggs turned 29 at the end of November, but he's a lock for 100-plus catches and it seems like he'll be going for close to 1,510 tutties almost every year. Since Diggs has joined the Bills, only Devontae Adams, Cup, Tyreek, and Justin Jefferson have averaged more PPR points per game. Also have Jamar Chase, and this one surprised me, guys. This year, 12 games, Jamar Chase had 134 targets. Last year, 17 games, he had 128 targets. So really, if you just look at, again, those expected PPR points, Chase was the wide receiver one this year. So honestly, kind of had a little bit of a down year. I mean, Diggs and Chase were actually led, leading the league and dropped passes that occurred in the end zone. So we could have seen several more touchdowns for both guys. And look, Chase was still awesome. He's one of only six receivers with over 18 PPR points per game over the past two seasons. But it's kind of wild that like we saw this year, Chase not be that absolutely crazy, efficient monster that we saw as a rookie and still put up massive numbers because Joe Burrow and the Bengals were willing to still force feed him, especially more so in the underneath areas of the field than we'd seen as a rookie. Number two wide receiver going to be Tyreek Hill. 3.2 yards per route run this season. That's the highest mark of the last 10 years. Last year's Cooper Cup is actually second in that study. Spots three through five. Again, most yards per route run over the past decade. 2015, 16, and 17, Julio Jones. What a freaking peak for that man. Julio Jones and AB, man, if they aren't your top two wide receivers from the 2010s decade, I don't know what you're smoking. And yeah, Tyreek Hill back with Mike McDaniel to a clear lead option. Easy top four for me here. And yeah. Only other side note here, Tyreek Hill, all-time leader in yards per carry at 7.5 with the minimum 100 carries. Can you guess who is second all-time in yards per rush with the minimum 100 carries? I'll give you a second. 
Brad Smith from the Jets. Remember that, dude? Wildcat quarterback returns some kicks. Fun time, Brad Smith. Tyreek Hill, number one, though. Sorry, Brad. And my number one wide receiver ahead, 2023, is going to be Justin Jefferson. Although he had 1.1 fewer PPR points per game than Cooper Cup, we have him ascending. I mean, he turns 24 on June 16th. And yeah, so sucks we had that 15-yard scoreless dud when it mattered most in Week 17. But Justin Jefferson clearly deserves to be a number one wide receiver going into 2023 and probably beyond. So only thing I'll say is like, can we this offseason chill out on the Cooper Cup role. I mean, my God, that was getting so obnoxious. By the end of last year, Justin Jefferson played more snaps, a higher percentage of his snaps, I should say, in the slot in 2021 than he did in 2022. You know what the Cooper Cup role was? It was Kevin O'Connell, good job, deciding to throw Justin Jefferson the ball as much as anyone other than Cooper Cup over the past two seasons. That's the Cooper Cup role, throwing your absolute beast, alpha wide receiver a shit ton of targets and watching him make really good use out of it so i know there's a few more adjustments in that but just trying to look at cooper cup having one of the best seasons in nfl history at the position like i guess trying to equate that to sean McVay in the scheme that was always like the insult to me so cooper cup role for justin jefferson who needs that? It's Justin Jefferson. The Justin Jefferson role was going just fine before he even met Kevin O'Connell. Just a little pet peeve of mine throughout the offseason. That, again, we saw really not lead to anything. All right, guys, quickly at tight end here, I will say, number one, got to be Travis Kelsey. And it's just, it's so wild when you actually consider this. I mean, he was the overall tight end one in fantasy in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and then again in 2022. Six of the last seven years, this man has been the overall tight end one out there, even including two of those with Alex Smith under center. So again, him a regular fantasy MVP, Kings State Kings, the Kelsey edition. Again, love his podcast. Him and Jason have been putting on all season long. Number two, still Mark Andrews. And just realize, guys, how disappointing was Andrews this season? Terribly disappointing. And he still had 113 targets. He still was a tight end three in PPR points per game. Still at 847 yards. So when you look at it, there's just not many players at the position that we can feel this good about having triple-digit targets. I mean, this past year, only Kelsey, TJ Hawkins, and Mark Andrews and Tyler Higby had over 100 targets. So, yeah, some injury stuff played into that. But Mark Andrews as the clear number one pass game option for a team with, at this point, still hoping uh, an MVP quarterback under center. Still my tight end two heading into next season. George Kittle, I was just kind of surprised like seeing that Kittle played 15 games this year and didn't put up bigger receiving target numbers really because yeah, we saw the 11 touchdowns and accordingly he was able to really take over down the stretch. I mean, three top three finishes in the final four weeks of the season. Great to see, but honestly with Kittle, the only reason why I have him below Andrews is the possibility for this offense to continue to be run first in its nature and potentially more than ever if we do see Trey Lance get his job back. So it's also a crowded group. Debo, Ayo, Christian McCaffrey, really any guy could be featured during any given week. Number four tight end is going to be TJ Hawkinson, 8.6 targets per game once he joined the Vikings. I mean, only Kelsey and Kittle had more total PPR points per game than Hawkinson since he was traded. So Cousins continues to be more than capable of going for 4K plus and 30 touchdowns. Certainly seem to be featuring Hawkinson as much as anyone other than Justin Jefferson once he got him out there. 
Dallas Goddard, my tight end five going to next year, was the tight end five in PPR points per game this season. Only Kelsey Kittle, Andrews Hawkinson were better. Conveniently, those are the only guys I have ranked ahead of Goddard. So I do think this is, again, the pretty clear-cut top five that we're going to see around the industry. Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Hawkinson, and Goddard. And depending on how those discrepancies go in terms of their individual ranking, you know, relative to everyone out there, their overall ranking, I should say, that will depend on who we're actually targeting. So last year, for example, you know, Dallas uh, Dalton Schultz was someone that Dwayne McFarlane and myself didn't disagree with being the tight end five, the tight end six, but it was more so the reality that he was, I believe, the tight end six. But then Dallas Goddard was going like a good 30 picks behind him, even though he was a couple tight end slots. So we'll see what happens in terms of which of those top five tight ends we're going to be targeting. But after this is where it gets interesting, guys. We got Kyle Pitts, David Njoku, Pat Fryermuth, Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram, if he returns, you know, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a free agent. A lot of options out there right now to potentially take that sixth spot right now i lean kyle pitts but man we're gonna need to see that adp dip quite a bit in order to be feeling good going after him so let's remember the guy doesn't turn 23 until october he still averaged the six most yards per route run last season he ranked eighth in pff receiving grade among all tight ends with at least 25 targets there's just no excess volume in an offense that just ran the ball more than any group that we've seen since the 2009 Rex Ryan led New York Jets. So not really a guarantee they're going to be throwing the ball more next year. And to Arthur Smith's credit, I mean, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, they had a fairly lethal rushing attack out there. So Kyle Pitts, unfortunately, might just be a better real life player than fantasy talent at this point in time. Obviously not what we we're excuse me, hoping to see after he had such a great rookie year. So Kyle Pitts, David Njoku, Fryermuth, Waller, Schultz, it is close. If Schultz is back in Dallas, I think we'd have to give him the nod, but I don't think that's a guarantee. Fryermuth, if we had seen more from Pickett, and Njoku, if we had seen more from Deshaun Watson, it's going to be a tier for me. I'm not completely sold on this, as you guys can probably tell from the way I'm breaking it down. But again, Kyle Pitts, tight end six for now, but it is going to be certainly in a tier with some other guys. And yeah, it's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Glad to get through those top six players at each and every position. Have some more actionable stuff along the way for you guys here. I'm actually going to be naming the Sheesh all sheesh team here pretty soon that's gonna be fun most unlucky players guys that were stopping most of the one yard line some fun stats like that so we'll get that episode out next week and then also going to be looking at a bit more of again where ian was right where ian was wrong and also taking a look at some of the biggest discrepancies in players and their expected points versus their real fantasy points and some of the guys who didn't hit adp and why guys who smashed adp and why so again want to spend this next week or two Really taking the last chance to look back, you know, hopefully learn a couple more things about it. And then we'll start going through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end specifically to try to get some more takeaways. And then I'm thinking, you know, once the Super Bowl's over and all that, getting into March, that's when we can really start sinking our teeth in, really looking ahead more so to next season and hopefully making that sweet, sweet cash and winning some fancy championships because that's what it's all about after all. So again, appreciate you guys tuning in to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Ian. Until next time, take care, everybody. Everybody.